It's a uh, beautiful day. We got some rain today. We needed the moisture. And every time it rains out here in Colorado, I'm reminded that uh, uh, we, we are such a dry place and need the rain. I remember uh, living in the deep south and you could almost set your clock by it every day. Uh, somewhere about three o'clock in the afternoon, the heavy tropical rains would pour and we have more water than we knew what to do with. But out here, uh, this is a dry land and we need moisture. And I, I think about that often. Um, and I think about the rain in the Bible as a picture of the coming of the blessings of God, the revival uh, that God has promised, the latter rains. And uh, when it rains, we have rainy days like today. I think, man, Lord, send the rain, send revival, send that time of refreshing and the blessing to God's people. And uh, these are great days. Well, I thank the Lord for it. We had a great, great morning together. It was a, a wonderful time. Uh, many, I got to meet several visitors and, and just many uh, new faces. Uh, we're just thankful for how God is bringing people to Front Range and looking forward to uh, ministering and getting to know uh, each of these that God is sending, praying for uh, more to be saved. It was a joy to uh, baptize Kate today and thankful for, uh, thankful for obedient faith, a childlike obedient faith. What a joy it is to see that. May we all have that in our experience with the Lord. Uh, it was a blessing today to hear the testimonies from our teenagers and uh, also the, uh, the counselors that went along with camp and hear what God did in the hearts of our young people at camp, those that were saved, those that uh, surrendered things to the Lord, made, made serious decisions. And, you know, the things that stood out key to me today were, were the fact that um, there, were, there were spiritual struggles and battles that were taking place, uh, not only collectively in the youth group, but in individual hearts. Uh, Satan is uh, fighting. There's a spiritual warfare going on today. And it is amazing to me how the preaching of God's word, the, the sharpening of that two-edged sword can go right in, dividing asunder and, 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 and having victory. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm so proud of our young people I'm praying that they will, in these days, be faithful to the Lord. Um, I know that uh, in the places that I've preached this summer uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, thousands of young people, that there has been significant spiritual warfare in their lives, and yet we've seen God do mighty things. And uh, He is able, and God is able and he is moving yet in these days. And I know it's easy to get discouraged at the state of affairs of the world, but just remember that in all of this, God is moving. And oftentimes revival comes in the darkest of days. And those are a great hope. That's a great hope that we have as believers. And so um, pray diligently, pray diligently that God would continue the work and that God would do the work in your own heart as well. Uh, enjoyed the singing today. Thank, thankful for the Bartlett's and the Matthews. It was a blessing to see them today and have them as a part of our service. I have a precious family and I thank the Lord for their testimony for Christ. And uh, just to hear that, that singing, it took me back uh, in my heart and just brought fond memories and yet stirred my love for the Lord. 
and just heard some good singing today. And I, I hope that you were blessed by it as well. We have several things coming up. Uh, don't forget that we have a business meeting this Wednesday night. And uh, that'll be uh, right here at the church at seven o'clock. And so don't forget that. Don't forget that. Um, also, uh, and I, I hate to say this on a negative note with, with all that God has done this summer, but school's right around the corner. Sorry, young people, but school's around the corner. And so let's be praying as we gear up for that, that this will be a wonderful school year. Um, I want to mention to uh, the men that coming up in uh, September, uh, the first part of September, there is um, a Rocky Mountain Men's Prayer Advance. And um, I'll be speaking at that along with uh, several other uh, pastors and evangelists. But it's something that I would encourage our men to go to. I'll give you some information. There was some information in the lobby today, and I didn't mention that in this morning's service. We had so much going on. Um, but I'll, I'll be getting some word out to you, and I'd encourage you to, to be able to be a part of that. And this is a, a time for men to come apart and to, uh, to, to re be refreshed, to be strengthened, to be exhorted in their faith, and then to take some time to pray. And so I'll tell you more about that as the days come up, but that's in the first part of September, a little over a month away. And I uh, would love for you to, to take a, a day or two and be a part of that uh, Rocky Mountain Men's Prayer Advance. There is, there is some information online as well uh, you can go to, and it's, it's, it's held up in the Estes Park area. And um, like I said, there's some information there in the, uh, in the lobby of the church. We'll have some information in the church office, and we'll make some more announcements about that in the days upcoming. Uh, these have been just a wonderful, wonderful summer, a productive summer. And uh, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying for my voice. Thank you for praying uh, for my strength as I, as I travel and preach. And I know that uh, uh, to, to some that may seem uh, like an extra burden on the pastor, but I want to tell you, God has called me to this. And uh, this is not something that I've pursued and sought after, but these are things that the Lord has done. And uh, where God guides, he provides. And as God leads, he, he gives grace and strength and help. And uh, so I appreciate you praying for that um, and uh, asking the Lord to use our ministry. And this is really our ministry collectively as a church. When I travel, um, I am going as a, as a part of this ministry and ministering in other places. And I can promise you that God is using it and I just uh, encourage you and, and really covet your prayers in that regard. Be finding in your Bible tonight, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And as you're turning to that, uh, let, me, let me remind you that this study of 2 Peter is a study of authentic Christianity. And uh, so oftentimes it's easy to fall into a trap of uh, everything that, I do as an individual is what real Christianity is. And yet I don't define Christianity. Christ is Christianity and the word of God is the instruction. And we want to be authentic believers, authentic practicing out and carrying out authentic Christian living. And we, we want to do that free from the entanglement of all of the, the things that men can bring um, into this. We want this to be the life of Christ in us. And that's what Peter was striving for 
that these people who share in the life of God, the divine nature, having been made partakers of that divine nature, that they would be diligent to add to that faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and all the different graces that we saw Peter mentioned there in the first chapter that we're growing forward because if we don't grow in those, then we become blind. We become blind to our own hypocrisies, blind to our own shortcomings, blind to the fact that we've been forgiven of our sins. We lack vision for the future. We cannot see afar off. And, and some even get to the place where they forget that they were purged from their old sins and they go back into their old way of life. And, and there are so many who have fallen away because they did not grow and add to their faith. And this is not working for salvation. This is letting salvation work and to grow and to produce in us that life that God desires for us to have. And so that's what Peter is stressing. And he is stressing that in chapter one. In chapter two, he warned them that in contrast to the authentic believer is the false teacher and the practicers of false systems. These are systems that are built on sensual things, fleshly things, carnal things. They're things that are done out of the works of the flesh. And listen, the flesh is at enmity with God. It cannot please God. It cannot produce the fruits of righteousness. This is what Paul went through great lengths in the book of Galatians by saying to these Galatians, you're adding all these extra things to your faith that you think are adding to your faith, but they're constricting it. Uh, and, if, and if you sow to the flesh, you of the flesh, flesh reap corruption. Even if you think you're sowing good things, you're of that flesh reaping corruption. You sow to the spirit and you of the spirit reap life everlasting. Um, this is, this is something that we as believers have to constantly be on guard of, that we don't allow our Christian lives to be reduced to fleshly managed lifestyles. We want to be filled with the Spirit of God, directed by the Spirit of God. And, um, and Peter's, Peter's warning about that because these apostates, these false teachers are gonna come in they're, they're people who are corrupt. They're people who've never had their, new, their, their nature changed. They're still dogs and hogs. Uh, they've never been born from above. And they have learned to harness um, these things that are in Christianity and make merchandise of them, make covetous gains from these things. And through that, they can overthrow the faith of true believers and hinder churches, divide churches, break um, fellowship among believers. And, and these, are, these are things where the devil works through false teachers. And so what Peter's really doing in this book is he's contrasting authentic Christianity through the divine nature and false teaching and false Christian living through the old nature. And sometimes that false nature can appear to be righteous. But, but remember, if it's of the flesh, it's flesh. And it's only uh, desiring things for itself. It's covetous, it's greedy, it's full of sin and adultery, and, and it leads to immorality and leads to corruption. And so the admonition that Peter's giving us is be authentic. Be an authentic believer and, and really uh, 
Know that divine nature is in you. Make that calling and election sure. And then let the Lord add to you and grow you through spiritual graces and develop spiritual characters in you. And, and if you do that, you won't be ashamed. And, and that's, the, that's the message that Peter is giving. He's telling the believer that has the divine nature in chapter one how to add to that faith and grow in it. And he's warning what happens if you don't in chapter two, you will have your faith overthrown by false teachers and by false things. And, uh, and so that's where, that's where we are in our study. And I want you to look at chapter three as we begin this. We're gonna be here for a while because chapter three, he's going back into um, the, the conversation with these believers that, uh, that have to do with our future and why it's so critical and important that we be authentic in these days. So let's read a few verses here tonight and then we'll get into the introduction of chapter three. Verse number one, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. So this is Peter saying, I'm writing a second epistle. He wrote first Peter. We went through that, you remember. Second Peter, he said, I'm writing this to you now in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance. Now he's referring to the pure mind um, by, by default. These are people who have the divine nature in them. Their minds have been renewed through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, I am appealing to that part of your nature, not the fleshly part of your nature that false teachers appeal to. They appeal to your carnal minds. I'm appealing and writing to your pure minds that you stir up that pure mind by way of remembrance that you may be mindful, have your mind filled of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles and of the Lord and savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. That's what these apostates are. These apostates create scoffers or mockers. And, And so false teachers produce scoffers. They walk after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We look at verse 10, and this is the last verse we'll read right now. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, I want to call your attention to verse 1, and Peter is giving the purpose for writing this second epistle. He's writing the second epistle to stir up the minds 
the pure minds, the righteous mind, the new mind, the saved mind, uh, by putting the people in remembrance of the word of God. Father, I pray for these next few moments that we will examine your word carefully, that we will be authentic, that we would be uh, willing to face ourselves through your word. Lord, your word is like a looking glass. Oftentimes we see ourselves. Sometimes it's a window through which we see you. And Lord, I pray that whatever the case is in our own life tonight, that you would use your word to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Peter's writing this epistle to stir up the saved people's minds, their saved minds, by putting them back into remembrance of the only thing that the saved mind needs to be mindful of or filled with, and that is the word of God. Notice what he calls this. He said that you would be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, and the Lord and Savior. Uh, this is interesting. The commandment of the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, this, this uh, is the gamut from the holy prophets to the apostles, uh, they wrote by commandment of the Lord and Savior. This is the Bible in its entirety. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible was compiled by the holy prophets and the apostles, but it's the words that were commanded by the Lord Jesus. The Bible is given by inspiration. He is the living word. And so what Peter's saying is that from Genesis to Revelation, all of these things that we've written to you, I wanna stir your minds up. And I want your spiritual mind to be full of the word of God. And, and can I tell you tonight, Christian, that this is the difference. The difference maker in authentic Christianity is people who think biblically. And specifically, he wants us to think biblically concerning the coming of Christ. He wants us to have a biblical understanding of what is to come. Why? Because apostate teachers had infiltrated the church. And with these apostates, apostate teachers who were feeding people things that were feeding their flesh and giving them hope in this life alone, um, what had happened is it had caused uh, saved people to fall asleep to the word of God. It had rocked them to sleep. And I believe that's where we are today. I believe that apostate churches and false teachers who have so beat the drum of philosophy and psychology and living your best life now have rocked the church asleep. And, and real Christians, born-again believers, have their minds dull and their hearing dull of hearing the word of God. And they need a wake-up call. And that's what it means to stir up. To stir up means to wake up your pure mind and recall the word of Christ, to recall the word of God. Uh, these false teachers have replaced God's word with men's traditions. They were teaching for tradition uh, as it was the commandment of God, and it wasn't. And it had caused uh, so much confusion, and it had caused um, a, a lull in the church, and there was a lack of spiritual life. And so Peter was writing this to wake them up, a wake-up call to their spiritual minds and getting the mind of the believer to wake up to the fact that Christ was coming again. Notice specifically here, 
He said in verse number three, knowing this first, this is what I wanna wake your mind up to, that first of all, you will know that there will be scoffers in these last days walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? I want you to understand that there are people who are going to make fun of and make light of the coming of Christ. And he said, I want, you to, I want your minds to be focused back on the coming of Christ and that these scoffers are not, they are not doing damage to the return of Christ. They're absolutely in their mocking that Christ would come. They are actually putting an exclamation point on God's word. The very mockers who are scoffing at the coming of Christ are fulfilling the prophecies of his coming. And he is coming. And, and, and why do these scoffers, why do these false teachers, why do these apostates not want people to be aware of the coming of Christ? Because the coming of Christ means a couple of things. First of all, it means the judgment of sin. Look down, if you will, in verse number seven, when he says that these heavens are kept by the same word in store, reserved to fire against the day of judgment and perdition or damnation of destruction of ungodly men. Listen, the day of the Lord has within it a fierceness of the wrath of God against ungodliness. There's a judgment of the world and there is a glorious kingdom coming, a new heaven and a new earth and a glorious kingdom coming. And all of that is taught through scripture. And so this is what Peter's writing about, the purpose of knowing about the coming of Christ. So it keeps us alert and awake uh, to all that's going on. It helps us to see the world through that lens. Uh, listen, I've said this before, but there are, there, are, there are people in this world today who are absolutely terrified about what's going on in the world. There are those who don't know enough to be afraid and then there are those who know the word of God. And can I tell you, I am not disturbed. I am not distressed. I am not in despair over what's happening in the world. You know why? Because I see the world and all of its events through the lens of scripture. And I can see that Christ is coming again. And there is something about the awakened mind to the coming of Christ and seeing how this world is coming to a quick rendezvous with destiny. And it's coming into, into a, a place where it's gonna meet the Lord. And there are several things that that does for the Christian. Number one, it is a strong urgency for purity. There is an urgency to live a pure life. Peter talked about stirring up our pure minds, keeping our minds pure because Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Keep the mind focused and alert and pure and free from the defilements of this world. And keep the mind focused singly on Christ, keep a pure mind. Not only does it keep us with an urgency of purity, but it keeps us in a state of hope. There is hopefulness for the believer. I have a confidence that Christ is coming and I'm going to see him. And so I have a hope. <laughs> the, this world, people are afraid. Even unsaved people are sensing that there are some nefarious things going on. There are some evil powers afoot. There are, there are uh, conspiracy theories abounding and there are, there are players in the shadows 
um, of high places that are pulling the strings of governments and they're seeing now that, 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 that the, the figures that we are seeing with our eyes are nothing more than puppets on a string and there are powers behind the thrones, so to speak. But I want you to understand, as a believer who looks at the word of God, I already knew that. We already know that there are spirit, there's spiritual wickedness in high places. We know that there are rulers in dark places. We know that there are all of these things that are happening that God has told us in his word would happen. And we're not fearful of that. That brings hope into my heart because I know beyond those rulers of darkness, there is a God who is fully in control. He is sovereign, he is almighty, and he is coming. And he is coming with vengeance. And so there's a hope and there's, a, there's an urgency for purity. There is, a, uh, there is a, a state of hope and then there is a drive to win the lost. There's a drive in the believer who understands the coming of Christ to get the gospel out. One of the reasons why I will travel and I will preach and I will go where, where God has called me to go is, is I, am, I have an urgency to preach the gospel. And uh, God has given me the giftings, not only of pastoring and shepherding, but of evangelism to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to, and to declare his uh, his death, burial, and resurrection that men may be saved. Listen, there's an urgency and all of us, all of us as believers ought to be uh, those who have this hope. John said it this way in 1 John 3, if we have this hope in us that we purify ourselves even as he is pure and that there is an urgency to give the gospel out. In fact, just write this reference down and maybe if you wanna look at it, it's Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, it's in a wonderful passage of scripture when it talks about the Christian's relation to secular government. But in that passage of scripture, he says this. He's telling a believer how to live in this time of secular governments. But he says this in verse number 11 of Romans 13, and that knowing the time, Knowing the time. That's what Peter's writing about. He's writing about, they know this first, that the last days there'll be scoffers and people who are mocking the coming of Christ. And, and so Paul's writing this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation or our deliverance nearer than when we believed. Listen, Jesus is coming. When I got saved at five years old, there's been, uh, there's been a span of 43 years, 44 years now that have passed, and I know that I'm nearer to his, his return and nearer to my deliverance than when I first got saved. Paul goes on to say in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. Remember, authentic Christianity. Walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness or in chambering or wantonness. And this is, listen, this is the idea of lounging around, eating and drinking and fighting and, and uh, living for the flesh. And then he says, not in strife and envying. This is where Christians don't need to be at odd and fighting with one another. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Again, this is the urgency that the coming of Christ brings into the life of the believer to live pure, to live in hope, and to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ to those in darkness. And, and so let me, let me say this in closing. This is all introduction now. We're gonna go through chapter three and we're gonna be here for a few weeks. 
So, so, uh, so just buckle up. We're going to be in this, but I want to say this in closing tonight. The scripture that Peter's, Peter is saying from end to end, from the prophets to the commandment of the apostles, from the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our writings are in unity on this subject. And, and Christians ought to be in unity on this subject. Now, I know that there are differing views about the timeline and the return of Christ. Uh, some believe that, uh, some believe that, that Jesus Christ is going to come before the great judgment or the great tribulation or what the Bible refers to as the time of Jacob's trouble. And I happen to be a believer who believes in that. I believe that Christ is going to return and that the return of Christ is the catalyst to that great tribulation. And that doesn't mean that the believer is not gonna experience tribulation and trials and troubles and persecution in the world. We're going to experience that. Jesus said that. But to be under the rule of the Antichrist and to be in the world without the Holy Spirit, I believe that there's going to be a catching away prior to that and then the wrath of God in the great tribulation and then the glorious kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are other believers who believe that, uh, that Christ is gonna come in the mid of, midst of that. They call themselves mid-tribbers or pre-wrath believers that uh, the Christian is gonna go through the first part of the tribulation under the rule of the Antichrist uh, while there is relative peace and so forth. And then there'll be a catching away and then the beginning of that last three and a half years of tribulation. And then there are some who believe that Christ will come at the end of the tribulation as he's coming back in glory, that he'll call us up and that we'll meet him in the air and then come back and rule and reign with him. And, and I wanna just say this clearly. All right, we can, we can sit down and parse it all out. Uh, I, have, I have spent time with different uh, uh, men who were sincere men, godly men, I believe that love the Lord, who would have differing op opinions on that. And I've never made that a, a test of fellowship with them. However, there is a call to unity. And in those areas where we may, we may differ on certain timelines, Every one of us needs to, to come to a, a grips on, I'm not going to fight another believer on a specific timeline. I'm not going to spend my time arguing about all of this. What I am going to do is spend my time in the unity of Christ is coming. There's a day of the judgment of the ungodly, and there's a day that we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves. So I'm going to live in purity. I'm going to take that as hope that Christ is coming and I'm going to do everything I can to win the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are the motivations. I've said this before, but I think many believers need to get off the planning committee and get on the welcoming committee and be looking with anticipation for the coming of Christ. Uh, you know, if, if we were to find out that uh, one of my children was gonna be traveling home and, uh, and I said to Michelle, hey, um, is uh, one of the, the girls are coming home? Yeah, well, well, when are they getting there? Well, they said they're gonna be here uh, maybe on Thursday or Friday, but, but uh, not really exactly sure of the, of the time, but it's gonna be this weekend. Oh, okay, good. Well, how are they getting here? Are they driving? And uh, Juliana said, well, they, one of them said they're gonna drive. And Michelle said, no, 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 I think they're gonna fly. And, uh, uh, um, and, and we, could, we, could all, we could all disagree. We could all sit around and parse and, 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 and scrutinize, what did they say? What did they mean when they said this weekend? Did they mean 
Friday? Is Friday the weekend? Well, it can't mean Sunday because Sunday's not the weekend. Now, that's the first day of the week. They wouldn't have said, they say, well, I'm not going to be here Sunday. So it's got to be on Friday or Saturday. And and, and, and we could parse it all out. And when, they, when they said they were coming in town, did they mean by train? Did they mean by plane? Did they mean by car? Um, uh, and, and we could all sit around and we could, we could fight with one another over how they were going to arrive and exactly precisely what time they were going to arrive. And then all of us be taken by surprise when they get here and the house is not clean. The guest bedroom's not ready. And our hearts are not prepared to receive them. They're going to walk into a family with tension and a family not prepared to see them. And instead of being able to receive them with joy, we're going to be ashamed at their coming. And this is what I'm afraid of is happening so often with people who are taking prophecy and seeing that prophecy is a puzzle, that we all have to make it fit together. Oh, no, no, no. Prophecy, prophecy is not a puzzle that we have to put together. Prophecy is a promise that we receive. And it's a motivation for how we live. Every believer in the New Testament, every believer in the New Testament, fully expected Christ to return in their day. I mean, they were all looking for his appearing. Every one of them, and why wouldn't they? There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. And there are over 300 clear passages of Scripture in reference to the coming of Christ. No wonder they were anticipating it. Every single book in the New Testament, except for uh, 2nd and 3rd John, Philemon, and arguably Galatians. Maybe four books in the New Testament. Out of all of the New Testament, only four books and arguably Galatians. I think there's a few passages that we could, uh, we could point to. However, four, four, books of the, four, four letters, 2nd and 3rd John, Philemon, and, and, uh, and Galatians that do not reference the coming of Christ. Every book in the New Testament, save those four, have great passages of the scripture about the imminent return of Christ. No wonder these believers were living in the hopeful expectation of seeing Christ. And why wouldn't they? I believe all Christians are to be living in expectation of seeing Christ today. I like what one old time preacher said. He said, every believer ought to be living as though Christ died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming this afternoon. Every believer should be living in the light of the glorious coming of Christ. Enoch, way back in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch was living under the coming of Christ. You can read about it in Jude 14 and 15. Enoch was prophesying that Christ was coming and bringing 10,000s of his saints with him. What a glorious appearing that was going to be. Enoch was looking for that. He was prophesying that. The prophets all through the scripture talked about the coming of the day of the Lord when he was coming to, to execute judgment upon the world. Uh, the early church expected it. We ought to be expecting it. I'm looking for it. And we're gonna jump into this and we're gonna look at this passage of scripture in the days to come. But I wanna leave you with this today. This could be the day that Christ returns. You say, well, I don't know that it fits all the timelines. Friend, listen, he is coming. Without warning, he is coming. And I, I believe every one of us ought to be in anticipation looking 
unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that later in this chapter. We are looking for his appearing. And we ought to be loving his appearing. And we ought to be loving each other at his appearing. And we ought to be preaching the gospel. And there ought to be, there ought to be, uh, this is is Peter waking up their minds to get their minds awake and alert to his coming and get their feet back on the ground of practical Christian living. And I hope that this chapter will do that for us. Let's wake up. You know, we hear a lot of talk about people going woke today. And uh, corporations are going woke. Our government's going woke. In many cases, the military is going woke. And there's this movement of going woke. And we, we, listen, we don't need to be woke. We need to be awake. And there's a big difference in that. And so I pray that God will use this in the next, the next few weeks to have our minds awake to the coming of Christ and how we can live in light of that, in purity and in hope and in gathering people with the gospel. Father, I pray that you'll use your word tonight to speak to every one of us that we would be challenged to live out the Christian life authentically in light of the coming of the dear Son of God. And we pray with John, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. We long to see you. May we be busy occupying until you come. In Jesus' name.